This is the John Oakley Show podcast. Back into the fray. Topics worthy of discussion for Pizzaville, pound 3636. By the way, just to give you a heads up, we were talking about marijuana and the deadline for deciding whether a community will opt in or out is, uh, well, tonight midnight. And Brampton City Council holding a special session at 7 o'clock to make that determination, notwithstanding the 8 o'clock in back of the gym or whatever, uh, as David Sparrow said. But uh, Patrick Brown, the mayor, is going to join us uh, at the bottom of the coming hour. And uh, we'll also hear from Rod Phillips before that, the Minister of the Environment, and he'll elaborate on the Premier's speech to the Economic Club earlier this afternoon, where he did speak about climate change and the carbon tax. And uh, what he had to say is that this is inimical to uh, economic growth in the province. So, Robbie, if we can hear from uh, this Rob, uh, Doug Ford, rather, addressing the Economic Club of Canada today. I'm here today to ring the warning bell that the risk of a carbon tax recession is very, very real. That's why when I say I'm prepared to fight the federal carbon tax with every tool at my disposal, I mean it. Because you can be for a carbon tax or you can be for manufacturing jobs. But you can't be for both. There you go. All right. David Sparrow, what he's saying is they're mutually exclusive. Is he right? I don't think he's right that they're mutually exclusive. I think you uh, can actually be for a way to address carbon, and uh, carbon tax is one way to do that. And um, certainly, I think we're all for manufacturing jobs. We've certainly been bleeding manufacturing jobs in this province for uh, many, many years. Uh, Some say as many as 450,000 manufacturing jobs gone from Ontario, and uh, that was all before this carbon tax was put in place. So there's other things to adjust for sure. All right, but when, you know, we hear certain aphorisms from uh, the environment minister federally, uh, Ms. McKenna, that somehow, uh, you know, the economy uh, is based on uh, uh, a carbon tax and uh, the economy or fighting climate change and the economy go hand in hand, it seems like it's kind of, uh, that is mutually exclusive, isn't it, Mike? Yeah, I mean, I think that's the way the uh, federal liberals, uh, Catherine McKenna, uh, Justin Trudeau, want us to believe. They want to believe there's only one way to solve this problem, and that's the, the taxing uh, taxing Canadians. Um, but there's a big problem is that Canadians have sort of looked at this issue for a long time now, and they've grown a little tired of this, this sort of mantra that it, this is the only way to do it. Um, look, in our own history as, as Canadians, we've seen us uh, be world leaders in fighting acid rain. We got rid of acid rain, and we never taxed it uh, to to get there. So uh, there's been a whole host of, uh, in, in fact, environmental challenges we faced as a country and as a world that have been solved without uh, taxing everything that moves. So, uh, look, I think uh, Ford is obviously going to, I think the premiers in general across the country are going to play a bigger role in this coming federal election and this debate than we've seen in the past. It actually reminds me of the, going all the way back to the free trade election where we really saw um, a single issue with premiers weighing in mm-hmm. in ways uh, that we haven't seen in quite some time. Um, and look, if you look back at the last election, and we had two vision. last provincial election, we had two visions, the Liberals and the Conservatives. What the Liberals were offering were big sort of grandiose plans. You know, they said, we're going to give you free child care, we're going to give you free tuition, and all these things. And Canadian Ontarians uh, looked at that and said, well, that seems expensive, and I'm not quite believing that it's in fact free. And so I think it's going to be the same challenge for the federal Liberals to try to convince Canadians that this tax is somehow not going to hurt, and uh, it's not going to be a drag on the economy. Because they never talk about the other side of the equation. 
we can have reasonable conversations about how we tackle climate change and Canada's contribution to our global emissions and all of those important things. Um, which, by the way, the private sector is going to, you know, deal with most of those issues regardless. Not It's not going to come from a government solution. But the, what the Liberals fail to tell people is, if you do, this is how the, the language they, they couch it in. If you do not believe that we should secure the economic and environmental future for our children, you basically are a climate change denier. That's ostensibly what they're saying. And so they guilt us into feeling that we're somehow this horrible human but they don't tell us that if you don't, ta- if we're going to tax you, it it's and they say big polluters, John. They always say it's, we're going after the big polluters. Mm. No, 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 no. Big polluters are it's one thing, sure, put it on them. But it trickles down. That's a reality. It's going to be everything we everything that moves from our groceries to our retail to everything. There will be a cost to this, and to them, to the liberals, that's okay. That's acceptable. Premier Ford's um, speech today. I was there. And of course, it was a business-friendly crowd. It was uh, one of the biggest turnouts they've ever had for for a premier's lunch. Um, it went over very, very well when he talked about that. And I know you're going to be speaking to Minister Phillips about this shortly. But uh, the notion of uh, fighting against the federal government is something that Ontarians uh, did endorse in the last election to give enough of a majority government to Doug Ford. And so... Jason Kenney is going to stand up in Alberta and fight against it. Scott Moe is already doing it. Brian Pallister out east, the New Brunswick premier. They are all standing up against this. And so Justin Trudeau is going to be facing sort of this wall against his own carbon tax while he's going for it um, for for re-election. How it all plays out, it will depend on Sheer and Singh. But that said, uh, Ford has... um, has a lot of support for what he's talking about right now. Well, it's funny because uh, last week I went to a function that was uh, put on by the Concerned Manufacturers of Ontario, and mm-hmm. they gave their inaugural Game Changer Award to Premier Doug Ford because uh, they cited almost unanimously, as far as I heard, all these small manufacturers in the building, uh, that the carbon tax was uh, onerous on them because you know, you can say, uh, it, theoretically, a lot of people would say, yeah, well, we don't mind. But then when it comes down to the nub of it, for example, Ontarians who might respond to a poll saying, yeah, climate change is, you know, a priority we have to address. But it's going to cost you 10 or 15 cents more a liter at the gas pump. Whoa, they recoil from that because, and that's the frontline manufacturer who does appreciate how that cost impacts them directly which is why they celebrated Doug Ford for going after the carbon tax on this. So there are real consequences to these kinds of things. And uh, when he says it's either manufacturing or the tax, but you can't have both, uh, I would subscribe to the fact that, you know, you don't want to penalize manufacturing any more than it's already endured in this province because it's going out the window. Uh, we also will have uh, in the next hour, uh, John Carpe. He's going to join us. John is uh the president of the Justice Center for Constitutional Freedoms, and uh, they're in court today and tomorrow uh, before the Court of Appeal. And uh, what they're imploring, I guess, the justices to uh, understand their position, they're representing the Christian Medical and Dental Society of Canada, who are challenging the College of Physicians and Surgeons here in the province over policies that require medical practitioners to provide an effective referral for medical procedures and services even if those services conflict with a doctor's conscientious or religious beliefs, and even to perform such services when necessary to prevent imminent harm. For example, you know, uh, you may not want to uh, assist somebody in dying, and uh, this is now on the books, as we know, and they want to be uh, allowed to be recused from that. 
on charter grounds. I mean, Mm -hmm. I'm not saying we're getting too deep into the weeds here, but I'll throw it around the horn quickly. Do you think that these doctors who want to be uh, opting out of certain procedures or referrals to somebody who will, as a matter of conscience, should their uh, points of view be upheld in law, Adrian Batra? Well, their views certainly should be heard. Um, I may not necessarily agree with it, but it's part of our foundation. I I just... There's always this notion that um, every doctor should be able to do doctor-assisted suicide. Every doctor should perform abortions. Everybody, every doctor should be able to, should be doing all of these things that are, you know, within our purview of our healthcare system. Well, that's not necessarily always the case because there are many, many other uh, professions uh, that, you know, you can sort of opt out based on your religious purview, your religious ground. And I know the medical profession is different um, because it's our health and, 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 and it's scarce to even get into the uh, get into the system. And there's so much pressure put upon it. Um, but, you know, they, they've hired a hell of a lawyer. John Carpe is a former colleague of mine, and he can argue uh, these things, uh, frankly, better than anybody. So I, I will reserve the judgment only to say that at the very least, the arguments should be heard. OK, uh, to Mr. Sparrow, though, a doctor who wants to uh, beg off on a matter of, uh, you know, being a conscientious objector. Should that be allowed? I think opting out. Yes. Referrals? Absolutely not. I think we need to be patient-focused. The fact is, you get a general practitioner, you might have the same GP for 35 years. He's looking at you for flus and that wart on your foot and whatever, and then you come along with a, with what to you is a real problem 35 years into your relationship, and the doctor looks and you goes, I got nothing for you. I can't I can't refer you. I can't do anything. You're on your own. You'll which, go, so you which just is go just, and find another doctor? Well, it just got, in, the, in our society, just going and finding another doctor, yeah. yes, you could go to a walk-in clinic and then you don't have the the history with the doctor he doesn't know your background he doesn't know your uh, a, a lot about you the the point is simply this is the doctor doesn't need to provide the service I, in my world but does need to refer you to someone who will provide the service so that the patient can get their questions answered and can have the best choices and the best possible okay, outcome that's one degree removed uh, I'm sure it'll still weigh on their conscience so I mean can they have a clean slate and not have anything to do with things that the military against their conscience, Mike? I, uh, I, I'm with David. I, I almost put this in the in the realm of a Hippocratic Oath. I think uh, if you're not able to provide that service for whatever sort of conscientious reasons, I think you should do, as a doctor, as a physician, you should do your level best to to put them, uh, you can express your view, why why you've come to, to that, but I think you should, uh, you should provide a referral. Well, the Hippocratic Oath, first, do no harm. Are you doing harm by uh, recusing yourself? Well, I I, th- I think if a patient uh, has come forward and and they really want to pursue something, if it's a assisted suicide, uh, assisted d- uh, dying, um, and you're not prepared to do that, you're allowed to. I, I think it's a, it's about the patients, about being patient centered. And if you can't help them, but you can help them navigate the system and, and have that conversation with someone else. I'd say they should do that. All right. Well, uh, I'm going to hang on to Hippocrates here for a second and uh, see if, in fact, well, let's find out if he was Greek or Macedonian. There's a big <laughs> rift Google it. happening. Yes, Type well, it in the Google machine. Yeah, well, we're going to come back because uh, it has to do with cultural appropriation, and it's a flashpoint uh, with within certain ethnic communities. I'm sure you're well aware. Uh, we'll come back and address that with our panel, Adrian Batra, Mike Mansoul, and David Sparrow, in moments here on The Oakley Show, Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. Thanks for listening to the John Oakley Show podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you get your on-demand audio.